I teach a class on Thursdays and Saturdays, and usually I do the same talk. So I taught my Thursday class a week ago Thursday, and then I went, went on retreat, and now I'm back, and I'm gonna, and I'm like, okay, so I wonder what that's gonna be like, because you can be in a place in your mind, and then a week and a half later go, what does that topic even mean? But when I looked at it, I was really happy. I was really happy because it kind of fits in. I was on this retreat. I was on this retreat out at um, this retreat center called Damadina, in Joshua Tree in the desert. Um, and the retreat was called Dismantling Oppression. So it wasn't your typical retreat, but it was. It was a mindfulness retreat, but it was also full of content. And somebody called it one of the teachers. Um, called it the oppression tour because we looked at we looked at racism we looked at um, sexism we looked at classism we looked at heterosexism we looked at anti-semitism and then all a bunch of other isms that poked their heads in and really um, it was really excellent and I'm still I'm still um, uh, absorbing it and digesting it, but it was also held, and Irina Weissman was the senior teacher, and she was a teacher of mine for many years, and her message, and one that I have taken to heart, and I didn't realize how much she had influenced me till I was on this retreat and went, oh my God, <laughs> I get so much of it from her, is this holding everything with love and kindness and compassion. It's really important message. And Buddha said, you know, hatred never ceases through hatred, only through love. That's the eternal law. So the title, this is why it's so extraordinary, the title of the talk I want to give is called Lead with the Heart. So, and the reason I, I, I chose that is because a couple of weeks ago, I, I'm on a few teachers' mailing lists, and they send out, you know, blogs or blurbs every couple of weeks and I'm on Jack Cornfields and a couple of weeks ago he sent out an email a little you know writing called lead with the heart and the reason that caught my eye is because I have a tattoo that says lead with the heart I was on a meta a loving kindness retreat many many years ago at Spirit Rock which was a very difficult uh, retreat. Anybody have difficulty doing loving kindness practice for themselves? Yes, a few of you. Yeah. So it was a difficult retreat offering that kindness to yourself because we're so full of judgment. And I don't remember where it was, but Donald Rothberg was one of the teachers. He's a teacher at Spirit Rock. And he said, it just was the line that landed. He said, lead with the heart. And that was like a, 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 a lifesaver for me that week. I kept going back to it, lead with the heart, lead with the heart. I don't know, it just was this thing that's hanging out there. It was an access point for me into this, okay, connect with the heart, just show up heart first, show up heart first, show up heart first. And I'm, I'm always daydreaming about tattoos when I'm on retreat, like, what's my next tattoo? And that is the only time I ever came out of a retreat and got the tattoo I daydreamed about, Lead with the Heart. 
with a, with a cool little heart. Um, so I was intrigued when I saw Jack's, uh, Jack's, um, Jack's email, and it kind of built on the, the talk I gave last time I was here a couple of weeks ago, which was on intention and aspiration. It's like, how do we guide our minds and our intentions to be in this place of not causing harm? Of being in a place of, of coming from kindness and compassion and not hatred and anger. Hatred, one of the things that we looked at this week is there's ignorance. One of the... Um, you know, there's greed, there's hatred, there's delusion, ignorance. And under ignorance is hatred and violence and judgment and criticism and, and all these things that um, are not really good. And then there's the beautiful qualities, which are, again, like something I talked about a few weeks ago with the paramis, truthfulness, loving kindness, generosity, um, wisdom equanimity, effort, all these types of things which are really beautiful qualities and are on our ways to be in the world that don't cause harm. So again, this is how do we lead with the heart? Um, and what Jack was talking about, he's, he was saying that our thoughts are not in our control. You may have noticed that during meditation practice that even with the greatest intent, the thought is going to go or do what it's going to do. Weird shit's going to come up or you're going to go and you can train the mind. You can get much better at, at bringing yourself back, but stuff's going to come up. Weird stuff's going to come up. You know, I mean, I, every once in a while I'm driving at night and I have the most awful thought of like, I wonder what it'd be like to drive into oncoming traffic. Okay, I'm not going to do that, but the thought shows up. I have no control over that. But it, what, you're laughing? You do that? Too? Yeah, yeah, you've done that. All right, see? It's like, I can, I can be critical about it, or I can just say, my mind is weird, okay? <laughs> the mind's weird. So you have no control. Thoughts are going to come. Um, and often there's these contradictory thoughts. You know, they almost, it reminds me of those the old cartoons. These are really old cartoons. Like where there's somebody wants to do something and there's a devil on one shoulder and an angel on the other shoulder. And it's like, do this, no, do that, no, do this, no, do that. I'm like, ah, I'm so confused. And it's like this kind of stuff. And we, we end up with that, you know. There's a saying in the recovery world that, that like, People have huge egos, but really low self-esteem at the same time. And they say, it's like, I'm the biggest piece of shit that the world revolves around. You know, it's like really interesting. So, but we can hold these. It's so interesting how we can hold these contradictory points of view. So the mind is constantly doing this stuff. It's constantly planning and imagining. There's a mind of judgment and dissatisfaction. And it's, and it's based on our, our conditioning. Ruth King talks about how it's shaped by our caregivers' expectations of us, too. You know, we're shaped by rewards and punishments that we were trained as. It's like Pavlov's dogs or those rats. These are, again, old, 
old movies from years ago where they did these experiments with, I think, they, you know, rats who were trained to go to one food dish rather than another food dish and the dogs who answered to bells. That's kind of how we were trained. You know, we got that, that brain, that, that reptilian brain, that's survival mechanisms. And if we do this and we're rewarded for it, we're going to continue to do that. And if we do that and we're punished for it, we're going to not do that. So that we are, we are conditioned by our caregivers' expectations, or we're conditioned by society. You know, we're conditioned by all kinds of things. Sub, uh, not subliminally, but unconsciously, much of the time. But that's how our mind um, reacts to things. You know, um, we learn to cling to what brings us rewards. We learn to push away, get aversive to what um, um, harms us, the punishment. So what we have to do is begin to let go of our identification with the mind, which is what you're doing when you're practicing. So I have that thought what would it be like to drive into oncoming traffic? I don't spend hours trying to find out what kind of weird psychological damage I have. Am I some kind of psychopath that I want to harm these people on? It's just like, wow, that's crazy. You know, so I'm no I'm not identified with this. We see our thoughts as thoughts. You know, I have some deep-rooted, and I've said this a lot, but we each, we each can find our core messaging when we start paying attention to this stuff. What's that story you always go back to? Oh, they're having a party and I didn't get invited? That triggers, I'm always on the outside looking in. I'm never good enough. I'm never invited. I didn't get the job. They didn't return my call. They, I'm, I'm just not good enough. That's my one of my deep core things. So I can be triggered by that. That that seed of consciousness is going to be, uh, which is a Thich Nhat Hanh teaching. We have these seeds of consciousness that, when they're watered, oh, I hear that everybody else got invited. That's the water. That's the sun. That's the appropriate or the right circumstances. It's going to blossom into thinking. This is true, and then getting into the, 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 the self-loathing or the anger or the wherever we go with it, whatever emotions arise, whatever journey we take, well, fuck them, I'm not invited. I wouldn't want to go to any party they're going to anyway. And I'm not inviting them to any party I'm going to have. So who cares? You know, I get dismissive, I get angry, I get revengeful, I get judgmental, I get critical, I get all these things. None of which feel good. I become so identified with that thought. I'm not good enough. They don't like me. What's wrong with me? When the invitation is to let go of that identification. And I can see that thought go by now. Oh, it just happened recently. I saw, some, God bless social media. That's going to trigger you. 
That's going to be a place of practice if you choose to go there. <laughs> I saw some people having a party, and I wasn't invited, and they're all, mostly all friends of mine, and I'm like, okay, here we go again. I thought we were friends, and then I can go, oh, here come those thoughts. Recognizing the discomfort, and the place you lead with the heart is to bring kindness. I can help that blossoming of that, that sensation of inadequacy. Oh. So instead of going off into the story of judging and revenge and anger and screw them, who cares, blah, 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 I bring the compassion to that. What's the feeling that's here right now? Sadness. Loneliness. Being dismissed. Being not cared for. How do I take care of that? Leading with the heart, leading with love, leading with kindness, leading with compassion, making space for that. That when do we do that? We want to build up the armor. Whereas this says, no, hold that. Not being invited to a party is meaningless in the world. How can I hold myself? How can I hold myself? Yeah. Metta and karuna, the, the, um, the, we bring the kindness, the loving kindness and the compassion. Those practices are paramount. And we can also, I think Cordfield I think has this note that these non-beneficial thoughts, these, which are you know, good, blah, 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 thank them. You know, they, were, they served to protect me. At some point in my life, they were beneficial. They no longer serve. Thank them for, you know, still trying to do that job, but they don't, they don't need to be here anymore. It's not like, why am I thinking that way? Blah, blah, blah. We get rid of all that aversion. There's no need. Like I said, you, at the beginning of the, in the, the invitation at the beginning of meditation practices, everything is welcome. Don't judge. Just just say yes, hello. Don't be critical. Let go of all of that. That's unnecessary. It's not beneficial. It doesn't serve. Um, so you can step back and see the whole stream of thought. Oh, that's that old story arising. I'm just going to hold myself. You know, some of us uh, have deep trauma in our backgrounds. And so I'm doing this gesture of putting my hand around my belly and putting my hand over my shoulder. Kind of. This is a very, very self-soothing, and I'm rocking too. <laughs> I found myself doing that this time on retreat when I was having some really deep sadness. You know, you put your hand around. This is, I learned this on a retreat last year, all these different ways we can hold ourselves around our chest like this, putting our hand on our belly and our heart. These are ways that we can take care of ourselves. It's somatic attention. Because the body holds all of this stuff. We lead with the heart, but we tend to it in various ways. Like your question of, you know, really, how deep do I have to go? How, do I, how much do I have to lean into it? It's like, you lean into it, but you don't have to do it all at once. You take some time off. 
to soothe and take care of yourself and tend to yourself. So you lead with the heart, but you also tend to the heart while you're leading with the heart. You don't, you don't jump into a forest full of knives. That's, that's, that's not beneficial. You do it wisely, you discern, you begin to build discernment as well while you're doing this practice. You build this, this wisdom, this heart-mind. Um, Chitta is the word, heart-mind. They're not separate. You don't have the thinking mind and the heart mind. You have this, this cultivation of wisdom that's also held with kindness and compassion. In fact, I forget, somebody said in a lot of Southeast Asian countries, when they talk about mind, they put their hand over their chest, over their heart. And it's like you lead with the heart, the wise heart. That's the, that's the name of Jack Kornfield's book about Buddhist psychology, The Wise Heart. Really, really, this this seeing clearly um, and wisely and with great beneficent, um, with uh, with a, a, a focus on um, making the effort to cultivate these beneficial beneficial things. And then the last um, this one quote that he had, or somebody else had, I can't remember where I got this from, but Sri Nisargadatta said. The mind creates the abyss, and the heart crosses it. You know, the mind creates this abyss, this separation of us from each other, this separation of, of us from ourselves. You know, when we disconnect from our heart, we disconnect from ourselves because we don't allow feelings in, which is why I said now you're doing the practice more so these uncomfortable feelings are coming up more because you're more open to experiencing them. You're open to saying yes to what's present, developing that, that intimate experience, that intimacy with your own experience without preference, without preference. So you had a question? Um, yeah, thank you for that. It kind of where's the difference between wallowing self-pity which was something I was really good at, and loving kindness. You know, I think, um, I think if you really tap into what it feels like, I, my experience of self-pity and wallowing self-pity is always tinged, is not tinged with loving kindness. It's tinged with this poor me. And if there's any kind of flavor of poor me, it's not loving kindness. It's that old story of you've been done wrong. And what you need to do is just let it go. I mean, I, I just like find myself and just, and, I, and it was a process for me. So let it go. Because it's a, it's a comfortable place to be. Unpleasant, as unpleasant as it is, is a known quantity. And it's really, wallowing self-pity for me is like, oh, it's like a warm blanket. It was. It's not anymore. And you, and you begin to, when you have this cultivation of discernment and seeing, you see, this doesn't lead anywhere. It doesn't lead anywhere. Can I let it go? It's the practice of renunciation. Seeing that the letting go of the self-pity or is, 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 more beneficial and actually feels better 
than the continuing self-pity. But you have to really pay attention to what that experience is. It really takes willingness to let go. If, you're, if the thought enters your mind, is this self-pity? Let it go. Just Because if it's loving kindness, that's fine. You can always go back to loving, may I be happy, may I be at ease, or I care about my suffering, may my suffering end. You know, you can go back to the phrases to make sure you're in that place. But if your mind is just wandering down this road and you're in stories and you're not near the present moment, you're, you're probably in self-pity. Yeah, loving kindness and compassion are in the moment. Self-pity is somewhere else. That's another clue. Thank you. Any any other questions or thoughts or comments? Just that crazy box. Oh, super. Great. Then it must have been in Jack's thing that he probably included it in his email. Uh, yeah, great. Thank you. It's great when you can grab onto something like that. But yeah, because the abyss, the mind separates us from each other and from ourselves. And this is all about connection. You know, one of the teachers on this retreat was Thich Nhat Hanh. She's been studying with Thich Nhat Hanh for 40 years. And so they talk about interbeing. We are all interconnected. And so that separation is false. That's what, you know, oppression is separation. It's us and them. So that's why there was a lot of talk about connection and you know, being able to identify with each other. It's so important. But when we set up this judgment and criticism, both of others and of ourselves, we're creating this distance. When I was, when I was living in that critical judging, self-loathing, self-pity, um, self um, um, all these other things, I was so far away from you and so far away from me, but yet what I craved was connection. I just had no idea how to go about it. And this practice really helped me to turn towards the heart and really begin to break down those walls. You know, and, and what I like to say, talk about living with an undefended heart. So you lead with the heart. You have to bring it all back to that. It's so important to begin to cultivate that as weird and, and counterintuitive as it sounds, it's so important. So, any other thing?